and welcome to Co-op Gaming Cast Episode 5. I'm John. I'm Genevieve. And together, we don't have a name. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's been a while since we did one of these, I guess. Probably more than a month. But Oh yeah, so I, th- I thought of a pigeon anecdote, a short one to start out with that I didn't tell you about. Um, I guess this isn't an anecdote. In Chicago by, what's that building that has the Picasso statue? It's like the <laughs> courthouse or something, is there? Yeah, it's somewhere like Maine downtown Chicago, but I couldn't tell you the name of it. Anyway, they have some kind of like public uh, art thing, or I don't know what it is, but it has like a flame in the middle. And in the, wi- in the winter, all the pigeons who live around there kind of try to keep warm by that crappy little little flame thing. I don't know what it is. It's like a gas pilot or something. Right, it's just burning. a forever flame, and they <laughs> say it commemorates something. Okay, fair. <laughs> and anyway, one time we were there, and we saw this really weird-looking bird. He didn't look like a pigeon at all. And on closer inspection, it was a pigeon who had <laughs> who had flown too close to the flame, or he, <laughs> he backed his he little butt up too yeah, close to the flame. He had roosted too close to the flame, I think, and yeah, caught and fire. His, co- his tail completely burned off, and they don't have any skin there or anything. It's, it's all Their tail is all just feathers. So he completely transformed into looking like a quail or something like that. Oh, right. Without any of that, like, kind of nice streamlined back flap or, like, a spoiler. Yeah, but yeah. he was just like a fat little chicken looking thing, kind of. He was really cute. He could still <laughs> kind of fly, but you could tell it was a little harder without having the tail to help steer. Or I don't know, whatever they use yeah, it for. Yeah, it must be like the rudder on a plane. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I don't, that was, I guess, a story of a. Of a cute and unusual pigeon more than it was <laughs> an anecdote. Yeah. So today we wanted to talk about Ghost Recon. We Tom Clancy's Ghost Recon Wildlands. Yeah, Ghost Recon Wildlands. It, I guess. Which we've been playing pretty much since we made our last podcast, I think. Uh, yeah, I, I think we started, I think around the time that we made the last podcast, we... We're beginning to get a little bored with the grindy nature of Division 2. Like, I think that's about where we were. Oh, yeah. So, in some Ghost Recon Wildlands, Tom Clancy's Ghost Recon <laughs> has been absolutely one of the best games we've played together in a really long time. Right. Easily one of, like, the coolest and easily among the best, too. Just, like, yeah, it's, yeah. it's hard to say anything even really bad about it. It's so, such we've, a cool, we've been awesome really excited to make this podcast for a while and... Uh, share a great game that we can finally fully thumbs up recommend <laughs> although we still <laughs> recommend path of exile we haven't gotten anything on the site about that but i realized that we were given a lot of thumbs down to a lot of different games we played oh yeah so first i wanted to talk about why exactly we stopped playing division two oh so uh <laughs> i guess many reasons really but we got to this point in the game where we were kind of like going, we were upping the world tier, right? Yeah. And then, <coughs> sorry, we were upping the world tier and it would kind of spit us into this new world tier. And all we had in front of us was 50 more gear levels to earn. Do you remember that? We yeah. were at like gear level, like 350, 400. And then the world tier went up and you saw like higher level guns start to drop and suddenly 
you were kind of resetting the whole world and your goal now was to get from 400 to 450. And then once you completed that, your next goal would be get from getting 450 to 500, which that, that's like the max level, I think. Right, right. But and it was such a grind. And then and during that time, I think we mentioned in the last one, what happens in the game is like you spend all your kind of low level time uh, converting these checkpoints or something. Right, like conquering the map. Conquering the map, yeah. And then once you reach max level, it uh, turns back to enemy territory. But every night that we signed in, as our main goal was just to acquire more gear levels. Oh, and right. And then, yeah, we... So what would happen is we'd kind of spend a night of playing, capture most of one zone or whatever, and play, like, in another zone. And then we'd go to sleep, come in the next day, and suddenly the whole zone is red again, and we'd lose it. And remember how on, like, the night we actually did quit, we were like, oh, no, we're going to have to do some more of those radio broadcasts. Remember we were just going around busting up the propaganda broadcasts? Oh, yeah, yeah. It was it was grinding in the purest sense where we were just doing the exact same things, right. even the exact and same checkpoints or broadcasts or whatever, over and over and over and over and over right. and over and again. And each of those missions was kind of just exactly the same as any other propaganda broadcast. And you the uh, same ones that we had been that we had done in Concord right. when and we were lower level. To add insult to injury, we <coughs> were actually doing the same map points and busting up the same the propaganda same exact map points where you really start to recognize them. You're like, oh yeah, and this one right. it's better to go up in the yeah, top. Remember you had that one, I guess it was a shipping crate with a little wall on it, and we would go on that same one, (laughs) and then the game would kind of send the enemies from the exact same area each time. Oh, yeah, yeah. So it was this this dreamlike replay where you're doing the exact same thing. And, like, maybe it's a little different if you shoot the guys on the left instead of <laughs> the right first. But, essentially, we were just grinding propaganda broadcasts, like, and day in, day out. I think the game didn't exactly intend for us to do that. I think the game intended us f- for us to be in the dark zones, kind of messing well, around with no, the little PvP. Or uh, yeah, that's true and not true at the same time, because the dark zone progression was different than the gear progression. So almost anything you did in the dark zone other than getting those, remember they were called irradiated yeah, objects? Yeah, like contaminated Oh, yeah, contaminated weapons. So <laughs> you could maybe upgrade your gear in the dark zone, but more likely you would just kind of be playing in the dark zone. And it had its own levels, remember? Yeah. We were like dark zone level 5 or level 8 or something like that. I guess that's true. Um, I was just trying to defend the game that there's it's not like there was nothing to break up the monotony because you could also do like bounties oh right yeah there was lots of stuff to do but the experience i would say there's some stuff to do but the main thing it was clear that we ought to be doing is getting xp and just getting the rest of the way to max level right and once you could kind of see that in sight it almost got boring to be like because then oh but a big problem i had with it is you were constantly just refreshing and upgrading your gear. Oh, yeah, yeah. And so every piece of gear below level 500 was meaningless, but the game still kind of asked you to think really hard about it because you did want to make your guy better. So there was this irritating, like, what's the word? Like, uh, like, yeah, (coughs) it's a churn, but also like a dissonance where 
you want to think about your gear and you want to improve your gear and get all the right little bonuses and remember the red, yellow, blue colors and stuff. Yeah. And you're trying to like upgrade the gear, but the game is just relentlessly and ruthlessly telling you how just upgrade and get the higher level piece of gear. So it was almost punishing you for kind of trying to like think about your build and how everything's set up and how everything works together. Because within, you know, within four more hours of playing, every piece of gear that you got and maybe thought about would pretty much be irrelevant. I mean, we talked about this. Yeah, yeah, we talked about this in the last podcast. So anyway, John had bought EB Package or something. I don't know what it was. It was, I guess it was during E3. They had a PlayStation Mega Sale. So they finally had like the hundred and like, so Ghost Recon at full price with all the DLC and everything. I think they actually want like $120 for that, which is worth it. It's, it's I worth feel it, like but I man, that's happy. painful. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but anyway, during the sale, they dropped it to like 25 bucks or something. But so didn't you get like a bunch of games? Oh, yeah. Then we got Crew 2. Um, oh, and we even got Rainbow Six Oh, Siege, yeah, yeah. I thought you got some kind of package or something. Oh, yeah. Well, it was like every Ubisoft thing was Bundle. just on Ultra Sale. Oh, I see. I see. Yeah, yeah. It, but it wasn't a publisher sale I either. See, like I there see. was tons of stuff on sale. And boy, when they make those mega sales, it's so hard to resist like <laughs> buying games. It's just stupid. Even if your PlayStation can't hold them anymore. Oh, yeah. Our PlayStation <laughs> is like, it's finished. We even have the external hard drives and stuff. And those, of course, they got full immediately. Yeah, yeah. But the so other I, so okay, okay. So I, I was <laughs> just about to go on like a tangent, but I shouldn't do it, I guess. <laughs> Oh, just you want to go on the tangent? My problem with PlayStation's extended storage. So, okay, PlayStation 4, they just came out with using extended storage, which, in other words, is like plugging in an external hard drive to play all your games off of. Now, that's like, that's awesome. It's cool. You can kind of, you know, there's it opens up a lot more options and you can take take it places and stuff. But anyway, when you have it like that, you pretty much can't install games to your home hard drive or your main hard drive. So they kind of turn it into this really bizarre system where suddenly your main and only storage is the external storage. Uh, and it's, it's annoying being bullied like that because it makes it a lot harder on us, the users, to manage that. And it makes the main hard drive into almost this worthless garbage. And that also would be cool, except it's really difficult to unplug the external storage, and it's real finicky. So anytime like the PlayStation gets turned off, or you think of unplugging it without first, you know, like ejecting it or whatever, you're in trouble, and you're, you're risking yeah, losing all and your games. Yeah, and like it's one of those things where it kind of breaks so profoundly, and it tells you it's going to repair the hard drive. Oh and yeah, yeah. We're already using a hard drive that failed on us once in those extended drives. So it's just kind of like a clunky, bad system. But it is a nice thing they did, I guess. But, you know, you wouldn't wouldn't be happy with that as a solution. When we tried to get Bird over here to get on camera, not interested. (laughs) And now that we're trying to do this, he's just cooing and fluttering around back there. He's literally fluttering (laughs) everywhere in the house right now. Well, anyway, let's get to the good stuff. Okay. All this gabbering. If anybody sat through it, we're trying to, for once, share just an (laughs) awesome game. So cool for so many reasons. But playing, playing... 
Ghost Recon really made me hate Division. There's so many things in Ghost Recon that like I really appreciate, I think are so cool, so much fun. And then now I understand a little more what a lot of like uh Division 2 has like kind of a lot of the same ideas. And then like I didn't get them. I didn't get them when I even those like the NPCs running around and mm-hmm. they kind of help you a bit and take over your base and stuff. Just like nowhere near as cool as the rebels, right? In right. Ghost Recon, yeah. but well, yeah, it's hard I to even like figure out where to start. I guess. Yeah, yeah. I'm just I'm just blathering through. Oh, say <laughs> what you were gonna say about our first our first mission. Oh, right. So okay ghost recon it's it's kind of like division but it it has i guess the main difference is it's a much bigger world the scale yeah and there's a stealth component which actually is just really fun it it, and there's the stealth component is so much more legitimate and so much more fun so much so much uh better to like uh, attempt to operate in and like work within the reward and kind of right and it it makes you kind of think about what you're doing rather than just going in guns blazing but anyway related to that so the very first mission in ghost recon is you kind of sneak up to this weird camp and there's these ugly guys there who turn out to be enemies they're like santa blanca soldiers or whatever and we had been just like hard playing Division Two, and it told it told us to go up and, I guess, interrogate him or grab him <laughs> or capture him, and so we were kind of sneaking around and like we shot a couple of guys who were just minding their own business actually, and then we came up to the kind of mission guy, and he's standing in a little hut or something, and Genevieve just completely <laughs> unloads on him. She, like, shoots him in the face and the <laughs> chest three or four <laughs> times. And then it puts, like, a big you failed or mission failed skull yeah, on the screen. And we're like, oh, God. Again. Yeah, so, I mean, it's just funny because almost every game you would just shoot that guy, I guess. So one of the main things... One of the main things that really made this game different from Division that I think is kind of a good thing to talk about first, I'm reminded of it because another one of our first missions we attempted to do is defend the radio. You turn on the radio, whatever, you got to like defend it, uh-huh. the position for 45 seconds or something. It's like two and a half minutes, I think. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But man, we failed this mission, the first mission, over and over and over again. Just we kept so trying again. Yeah, we failed just like a million times. And we times were like, oh, we're not killing the enemies fast enough this guy has range on the on the radio blah blah then i think the next thing we did is we drove some cars over to kind of create some oh cover right. in a buffer yeah, zone we, we we or i or we had kind of noticed they were driving cars up to assault the radio or yeah, whatever yeah. so we left cars kind of like in the road where they were going to be approaching from and yeah, that, yeah yeah so that was one of the first things we did and then i think Next, we figured out to start setting some, like, mines or something. Right. We, like, had explosives and mines kind of set at the outskirts, which is also really funny because of how you have to, like, interact with the civilians and your Mr. CIA setting mines in, like, other people's villages and stuff. Yeah, But yeah. That's, that's another thing. So, anyway, the main idea, main difference that's so, like, appreciable between this game and Division 2 is that everything you do in Ghost Recon, you're really kind of, like, actively figuring it out yourself, how you want to accomplish the mission, what exactly you want to do, how you want to go into it. 
to right. to get it done and you have to kind of use your brain and think about like what what is it that you want to do do you want to go in completely stealth and try to qu- quietly kill one guy at a time until you like get a path to your objective or whatever it is do you want to go in the helicopter and just blaze enemies down with the grenade launcher right. or the helicopter gun do you want to set mines all around or set proximity mines and mines and just uh, nuke the whole village and <laughs> everything that lives and walks in it do you want to go in rambo style and hope not to die right right and that's just it's like really cool to play a game like that because in that first mission where we were defending the radio it wasn't like we shot better or we like had a you know what i right. mean right in and fact we like couldn't we, we couldn't figure out no matter how many times we tried just shooting the enemies as they came to the radio Right. They we couldn't even pass it that way. You and just shoot you in the back and you die. And destroy but the radio. So that's like really cool because you can kind of think through the mission and so what we we put those roadblocks there and kind of succeeded as a result because then the enemies didn't have such direct paths and lines to us to kill us. So we could kind of control like the area the enemies were approaching from. And that's such, like, a different kind of mode of thought for a video game. Like, in ESO, for example, it's like, oh, well, change your gear or, like, you know, get another healer or something like that, you know? Yeah, if you fail. If you're talking about it, if you fail. Right, if you fail. And all, like, the failures are just kind of a matter of maybe playing better or having better gear or, like, a different build or, you know, all that stuff. But to actually succeed in Ghost Recon, there's a huge component of it that has to do with your own planning and, and thinking right, planning things through. and thinking ahead. And man, that's just it's really kind of like unique for a game, I'd say. Like we haven't played one exactly like that. Yeah, yeah. And there are even things like sometimes it'll say to destroy something and you can just send a drone in to blow it up and never even like enter the enemy compound right per you se. could you could have the drone in there blow it up and kind of quietly sneak away just like an actual cia man might do something like that you know and then the enemies in their compounds they have all these different assets like a generator and like an alarm system and uh you can you can discover all those things in advance and then like take one down and proceed that way and then the, the, oh, I thought you wanted to talk about how different the skills are in the game compared to oh. Division 2, too. Oh, but right. I wanted to say then with your drone in Ghost Recon, they give you all these different methods and ways that it could work where you could be using it to just uh, manually destroy enemies and blow them up. Or you can be using it to take down electronic devices. Right, or with Noisemaker, you could kind of have it make noise and distract the enemies. So... I again like I I guess I can't think of any other game we play where mo- and then it's not it's not just planning and thinking how you're going to accomplish this m- particular mission but um you have to you keep on your toes and have to keep planning and thinking what you're going to do through your next like 10 minutes of game too. <laughs> there was one time when we were playing in the beginning. I don't know, I went to go get us a snack or something. And we were kind of like chilling at the side of the road, <laughs> and I was joking that it was like the two, the two agents were like eating some Burger King at the side of the road oh, in a car yeah. or something. 
But anyway, I, I don't know. We were like eating our snack and staring at the screen, and <laughs> then we were like cited by Unidad, which is who like are the kind of cop-like bad guys of the land. They're like the military. Yeah, yeah. And so while we were trying to like eat a cracker or whatever the heck we were eating, right. these guys rode up on us <laughs> and just started shooting. <laughs> yeah, and then we maybe blew up one of their cars, and then like two or three more came, and it turned to the, this huge flaming like oh, forty-five right. yeah, car wreck. A, yeah, it turned into just a. And l- just like uh, two city blocks worth of blown up cars, and we were kind of stuck in the middle, and everything was blowing up. And there were Unidad guys and like Santa Blanca guys all swirling around, and we we fought them for like about an hour before we just died in a blaze of glory. Yeah, yeah, but it it was really funny to imagine the two uh, kind of terrorist agents or whatever the, right. the guys are supposed to be operatives. <laughs> trying to uh, enjoy a snack and then causing that huge <laughs> yeah, <laughs> 40 yeah, car flaming uh-huh. pileup. Oh, well, we didn't explain what even the premise of the game is. Oh, yeah, I'm the premise of the game. So it's, it's really cool. I mean, you know, it, I guess it's like being a CIA black ops guy just going into a really realistic rendering of Bolivia. So oh if, yeah, and if so you've ever wanted to kind of casually <laughs> destabilize a government for yourself, that's kind of what the game is about. To terrorize a populace and casually destabilize right, a government. Right, right. Through all kinds of sabotage, assassination, <laughs> uh, theft. Remember, we yeah. stole some, but we we oh hacking. We hack into people's computers and transfer money. Yeah. Oh, we do frame ups. Like one of the missions yesterday. We killed some important lieutenant to like Santa Blanca, which is the evil drug cartel. And the whole idea of the mission is that you grab the shotgun shells of somebody in the cartel who had this special shotgun and you plant the shells on this guy's body who you killed in order to create internal strife among the cartel. So it's all, it's always these really like sordid, dark, kind of CIA missions that when you like find out about them 40 years later like every page says redacted and it's all like <laughs> blacked out and everything and it's just like it's just dirty another kind of overall thing about the game that reminded me that I wanted to talk about so I read one full Tom Clancy book now I read Rainbow Six and I started on another one and I was really surprised how Ghost Recon, to me, it really embodies the spirit of Tom Clancy. Oh There's right. so much mm-hmm. there that is like kind of just like in Tom Clancy, like um, the books are filled with all this kind of like uh, information about like the one has all this information about like the Soviet Union's like grain production oh or right. whatever and for like, like this time. Those briefings and stuff in the game, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. But let me try to think okay. what else I think were, like, the hallmarks, at least, of these, like, Tom Clancy books. They're all about this, like, group of cool bros, like, getting <laughs> getting something cool done. And then in the end of Rainbow Six, they they uh, can't, like, arrest these people. So they kind of terrorize them and, like, send them out in the jungle after, like, shooting at them or something. Wait, I'm getting off track here. What am I trying to say about Rainbow Six? Or what am I trying to say about Tom Clancy? Oh, it's filled with all this cool, like information about like other countries and uh what they're doing and stuff and oh, right. and in ghost recon it's it's so cool because 
almost all the content in the game is this really kind of cool backstory and information about Bolivia. The content in the game is amazing. It's so much fun to watch the videos right. and like and read the read little briefs yeah, and stuff. Yeah, read the briefs and there's like local legends, so they tell about kind of geographic formations and stuff. And I don't know if it's actually true to Bolivia, but I kind of feel like it might be. And well, we looked up really some cool. of the stuff, <coughs> and I think some of the stuff is like true. Right. Oh, and like we looked up the narco cor- oh, narco yeah narco corrido music. Yeah, because which, I oh, and the I music d- in the game is just awesome. Oh yeah, but <laughs> that's a different topic. I want oh, to talk okay, about. Okay, I just too. remembered another thing that's kind of like the Tom Clancy. But remember, you were saying you liked that Russian agent guy who saved the world or whatever. Yeah, in Rainbow Six. And yeah, in Ghost Recon, all the characters, the villains, the like cartel members, they're just so kind of beautifully drawn and like really well developed. You know far more right. about them. You learn than about, you know about them. You le- <laughs> yeah, you learn about their personal lives and like their little dramas going on. And you see all, like, the really cool stuff they do, like the musician guy. Or remember, like, the one lady who kind of was in charge of the finances for the cartel. Yeah, and, like, the religious lady. Oh, yeah, the religious lady. They all have these, like, really important high-ranking jobs, and they're, like, really doing something and living their lives in Bolivia as cocaina guys. And you almost feel bad, like, wrecking them and (laughs) killing them. Right, but that's kind of like, it's like in the spirit of Tom Clancy, too, where there's like cool villains. It's so so in the spirit of Tom Clancy. And then I couldn't believe seeing the videos in Rainbow Six, or in, what what are we playing, Ghost Recon, how wonderful they were. And then I remembered those Division 2 videos. Oh, those like bizarre snuff films. Yeah, they were like little snuff films. And then... Man, I just don't know what they are thinking, because if there's one thing Tom Clancy didn't write about, it's like local gangs taking over a city or something in some kind of, oh, that's the other thing, a post-apocalyptic world. Tom Clancy didn't write post-apocalypse books. I mean, stop me if I'm wrong here, but the whole thing that was like so exciting and cool about the books is they like showed this kind of like interesting look at what could be going on or some right, things that were like going on maybe alternative history almost yeah almost like alternative history or something uh, what's that most popular one that became like the sappy movie oh we tried to watch one of like the movie oh of the tom God, clancy book it was awful Harrison it was so bad Ford, i think it was yeah, I don't red storm rising or something i don't know it yeah. was awful <laughs> i kind of i enjoyed the book but man i would not attempt to watch another one of those awful movies Right. Anyway, though, what was I blabbing about here? Just the Division Two. I don't know. Oh, I don't know what. Maybe they didn't read any Tom Clancy books, or maybe like I'm missing the point, or that was the best they could come up with. Kind of gangs overrunning DC. Yeah, like their post-apocalypse idea, and I guess they didn't have much material to work with. But if you even compare in Division Two how much you learn about those gangs. Remember there was like the the Black Tusks mm-hmm. and then there were the mm-hmm. local kind of toughs who it said they felt they had been oppressed by U.S. government or something. Mm-hmm. And then there was one more gang. And you don't, you don't learn anything about them. You don't know who their leaders are. There's kind of nothing cool about them. And like they just kind of suck. They're like putties essentially. But then when you're playing Ghost Recon, 
everybody like the enemies are like admirable in a way yeah yeah they're all well developed at the very least and uh there is a lot of cool other like uh, information there like about the the narco music and like the different things about the cocaine Uh oh yeah and there's tons of stuff about cocaine and they talk about the chemicals that are used to produce it and you have to go kind of bust up the mines where they get some chemical that's used to cut cocaine with. Yeah, yeah, and, that and all that kind of stuff is the stuff that really reminds me of the Tom Clancy Right, books. and it's, it's just so cool and you get to, you blow up their cocaine stores and all kinds of like terrible stuff, but you really feel like when you're playing the game you're like going through this world where they are producing cocaine and they're working to transport and smuggle it. Oh, do you remember when we were blowing up the submarines of El Cerebro? Yeah, yeah. And it had this really cool stuff about how the Bolivian cartel guys were purchasing old Soviet submarines and kind of custom modding them and driving them underwater to Florida. And that's just, that's like so cool. And you get to see the submarines and you get to blow them up and it they show like schematics for the submarines. And you really see this like other world and it's it's so nicely developed and cool. So things we've talked about so far, like overall things we're really enjoying about the game. The story, how it really is Tom Clancy-like. Oh, the way that you have to kind of play with your head think ahead and like plan and figure out how you're going to do something not uh play with your buttons or your gear right right and then oh we were going to briefly talk about how much we love the sound design this is the first game we've played i don't know in years that we haven't just like blasted spotify music over right right and we we went a really long time without it and we kind of tried blasting the Spotify music. It was over awful. The g- yeah, it was it terrible. ruined the game. But normally right. every other game that we've played, it's just a huge improvement. Right. <laughs> it's a it huge like improvement it to it blast yeah, whatever yeah. other type of music you like and not have to listen to like the wretched garbage that's coming right. out of the game. And Even at the expense of not hearing like important things you want to hear, like the bullets flying around right. you or whatever it is. Yeah, yeah. And in so many cases the music really does add, like, just crappy music you're listening to on your own adds a lot to the game because it's this nicer sound over the bad sound of the game. Yeah, yeah, and, and then a lot of times you're doing this really repetitive, bogus, oh, right. and that's crap like in Path of Exile. Right, and that's the thing, too, is the sound in those games becomes very repetitive and yeah. it bores you, and you don't really want to hear it anymore. So, like, of course, just put music over it. But then in Ghost Recon, when we put music over the game, we really, like, lost a lot. Like, yeah. the game seemed, it seemed like a worse game. It seemed like we couldn't And it was actually was hard on. to function. Right. It was hard yeah. to function without hearing, like, the shouts of the enemies or, like, right, the... Right, exactly. And even to the point that, like, I think the game could be improved even more if we both put on headphones. Oh, like yeah, Remember the yeah. Predator fight? Yeah, and yeah. the kind of disorienting sound and stuff. So uh, that's like it's it's a nice thing to actually have played a game where the sound design was, was done nicely and it could stand on its own. And it's not just I, I guess I'm not just saying I like it because it's actually useful for playing the game and it doesn't like annoy me. But also John had the game on and I heard 
the ambient sound coming from it from across the room. I couldn't believe it was a video game. Right. I've, ne- I've never heard a video. It was making such like a nice, pleasant. There's like a radio in the game that you could turn oh, on. Oh, yeah. The radio comes on it. Oh, and the there's ambient radios in the town. So oh, sometimes yeah, yeah. you'll be in a town and there's like somebody kind of blasting a little boombox. And that it's like so atmospheric and cool to go along with the Bolivian nature sounds. Yeah, yeah. And the sound of the vehicles or the sound of the helicopters and planes and it's not the game sounded great though. Like even from the other room, it was such pleasant background noise that it would be nice to like uh, study to or something like that. Right, Which I can't right. again. I can't say of any other game. Like I think we started out playing ESO. With the sound on, that was a mistake, oh, yeah. and then eventually right. we just blasted music through right, it. Right, right. I know we blasted music through Fortnite. I know yeah, we blasted Monster it through Hunter Path of Exile. Yeah, oh, Monster Hunter, yeah, we blasted Path music through it. Yeah, Path of Exile, we blasted music. But if you think about it, I I would bet anything that the sound files for Ghost Recon are just kind of huge compared to like Path of Exile, for instance. They're like ESO with really sparse, bad sound. Where, remember in ESO, like, each little spell had its own kind of really loud, annoying, like, noise it generated. Yeah. And, oh, and, like, I guess in Ghost Recon, there's, even the background music is really cool. Yeah, yeah. It's, like, kind of atmospheric. It's, I I really didn't recognize it as a game and couldn't believe it when I just, like, heard it coming from the TV from across the room. Right, and that that's really appreciable, I'd say. All, all those factors we kind of just talked about combined also make it, it's funny because we play this game probably shorter time periods, oh, I think. Oh, much shorter, much shorter. And we've played other games because you can really, t- when your concentration is shot and you start getting impatient, it's just like game over. Right. You like can't keep going. You can't keep grinding. You can't just like fly the helicopter yeah, they, somewhere else. They present you, say, with a huge base full of enemies. And unless you're kind of ready to play the game and think about how you're going to try to infiltrate that base, you're pretty much going to be spotted and in a huge just fire die fight immediately. immediately. Yeah. And... That's really different because I feel like most games you almost prefer to play spaced out. Yeah, yeah. And so we don't play, like, I guess other games, an average play session for us might be between three and five or six hours. Does that sound about right? Yeah, it's been a long time, I right. think, since we've, I don't know. Right, but Ghost Recon. Since we played Recon, any game that long. Right, Ghost Recon, like hard cap, two and a half hours, hour, like a long something. movie. Like for as long as you can concentrate on a long movie, it's about how much you can kind of concentrate. Yeah, on Ghost at least Recon. we can. And then you, c- in other games like <laughs> more grindy games, or like Path of Exile, you might start to lose your focus, but you just can go on kind of jamming your skills and having like enough right, relative success. But yeah, like we were talking like about, through the game, kind of. <laughs> I guess I already said it, but you start getting impatient and losing focus and you're just, you can't even participate anymore. Right, right. And I mean that, in a way, that feels right, too. Yeah, like yeah. You shouldn't really be able to, like, play and concentrate <laughs> on something for six straight hours, but... Or be able to, this is definitely, I know a lot of people, oh, I I don't know if we talked about this on the podcast or on the website, but I know a lot of people would play a game and watch a movie at the same time. 
Oh yeah. It always yeah. Well, anyway, this is not a game that you could possibly even remotely do that with. Right. There's no way you'd be able to focus on one or the other at any time. Really. Yeah, yeah. But then we were laughing about that, and I know a lot of guys that do like grinding and stuff in ESO and kind of put a movie on. We were laughing about that, but then, but then we started putting basketball on <laughs> while we played some. Oh game. yeah. What game was that that we were doing? Boy, was that? Maybe it was Path of Exile. It was either Path of Exile or Division. Like, whatever we were playing during the playoffs. That, the NBA that was playoffs. really something. That was really oh something yeah, to try to... kind of, like, true multimedia <laughs> going on with all these different screens. We had music, video game, and basketball. Oh, yeah, that's right. Once. We had the music going, too. Yeah. <laughs> right, um, it was ridiculous. I don't know if I would do it again, but it was something to experience at least yeah, a couple yeah, times. Yeah, just to kind of fry your brain. <laughs> <laughs> But, uh, oh, there were, I feel like we've talked so much about how cool Ghost Recon is, and I don't even feel like I've scratched the surface oh of yeah. all the cool stuff that there, like, is in is. the game. Or Wait, let me finish. I'm, I'm, I was just trying to go through the top-level top level things about it. Um, but now you're just making me forget. Okay, I'm not going to remember now. Oh, but, but another thing I wanted to mention before we start talking about some of the more granular things we really love about the game is that we put, we put it on Spanish language. Oh, it's, right. it's been amazing. <laughs> I can't believe we never tried to just change the language in a game before. Mm -hmm. I know Spanish some. Um, John doesn't know it as much, but he knows some Latin and can kind of understand some stuff. Right. But that's been like a transformative thing, too, because the interest that you have in the game. Well, first of all, it's set in Bolivia, so I think it does really add right. some element of authenticity uh, to have all the voices out of it coming out in Spanish. Yeah, is like really I cool. We haven't actually <coughs> tried it in English, but I would imagine <laughs> it would almost begin to annoy me to hear those like English voice actor voices. It's possible. It might it might be pretty good. It might be, but. We yeah. always put the Japanese games in Japanese just, right, right. just to I mean be a weeaboo or whatever. Yeah, it yeah. sounds better But, too. I mean, a lot of the time, I think the biggest thing that really irritates about the English language voice acting is it's often just so bad, and you have to focus on it and, like, oh listen, yeah, and it to keeps chirping out of the listen to those irritating voices. And before long, they just irritate you. Remember those terrible voices in ESO? And so... If you hear like a terrible Spanish language voice actor, you might not know. I think it the as voice much. actors are great. Oh yeah, they <laughs> seem great too, and like they, they have a lot. They have like good range. But maybe they that's just ignorance, and a Spanish-speaking person would just be freaking annoyed by them. Right, right. But I, I don't know. I don't think so. I think, I don't know. A lot of the English voice acting in general. It just seems awful compared right, to what right. other countries Well, I mean, so it. often, though, like, the English voice acting, just because, like, if you ask a group of English people to kind, or American, like, whatever, mm -hmm. or English, British, if you ask them to kind of understand the emotional tenor of a Japanese anime, there's, like, no chance. But those Japanese actors probably, you know, they were coached by the actual guys who made the anime oh, or I the see game what or whatever. Saying. And I think, you know, everybody or most people agree that anime dubs are just terrible. And it's it's always because, like, the voices aren't quite right. Like, they shout when they shouldn't be shouting. They're not conveying, like, the proper emotions Emotion. for the scene. And, you know, just ask any group of 
20 to 40 people to kind of fully understand some like piece of art or like a media or whatever and they might not do a good job or i see so what you're saying that could it. all be true but all i'm saying i guess is that if you know another language a little bit somewhat you should definitely try switching a game to that language because the amount of interest and focus and enjoyment you get out of it at least that we got All out right, of it just yeah. absolutely skyrocketed uh-huh. it's been and amazing. i love to hear the way they refer to stuff in spanish oh yeah yeah and like they call the rifles fusiles and oh, it's yeah. really cool to just call stuff like a rifle a fusile i don't know oh one funny thing i i again i want to mention really fast so that i don't forget is that we were joking about it would be great on on pc to have the an add on that adds up how many billions in helicopter oh, damage and property damage <laughs> i want a property john damage. wanted property damage <laughs> in general and have it calculating the cost of fixing like an adobe wall after a right, bunch of right. bullets or but also it. when you know there's a 16 car pile yeah yeah i just <laughs> wanted pure vehicles and helicopters because like the amount of helicopters you go through and anyway then in the spanish language game when you call a new helicopter she says Bowman tiene vehículos, like as if uh, your buddy Bowman, like, oh, Bowman has another helicopter, like, Bowman has them. She'll (laughs) get them for us, and it's so funny and, like, makes us laugh every time after (laughs) wasting, like, two billion more. Right, right, and I don't know how much a helicopter actually costs. Maybe I could Google it real quick. But it it has to be at least, like, 20 or 40 million Oh, yeah, look it up on there. I guess I'm kind of curious You can talk, and I'll Google Oh, yeah. Okay. okay. I remembered the other general overall thing that I wanted to say about what makes this game so great and refreshing compared to a lot of other games we've played. It's far and away, as tough as it is and as often as we die, it's far and away the most kind of like fun, chill and stress free game we've played in so long. Our mood playing for like as long as we're playing is always just like great. And I was thinking about it, and I think it's because when you die in this game, you were always just kind of like playing like a jackass. Oh, right. You always made some kind of like really idiotic, retarded mistake. You end up taking just like a full round of bullets straight in the gut. In the face sometimes. (laughs) Or like you, we died yesterday where we had gone really far up into a base, and we were kind of tired and stuff. And then the enemy started charging at us. Just and pouring then out. About <laughs> three vehicles full of like four guys with machine guns pulled up behind us. And they were just completely, they were like all six guys unloading, unloading on us at yeah. once. And of course, we like died. And you look at where we were positioned. And it's like, well, anyone would have died there. Like yeah, anyone yeah, anyone would have died there. Even like Chuck Norris or whatever. Wait, so we got the results here. Okay, this helicopter right. looks just like the yeah. ones in. Oh, so only $700,000. So they're actually a lot cheaper than I what? thought. What? You're looking at this one. We oh. don't fly those in the game. We fly this one. This Yeah, this, this one sweet. is 700 no. grand. Oh, this one. Oh, 1.7. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> yeah. so about 2 million a pop. Yeah, that looks <laughs> identical to the one okay, that we yeah. fly in Ghost oh, Recon. So oh, yeah. This but is, that one's like a starter helicopter. Right, right. So a cheap helicopter is about $250,000. And a g- expensive one that looks like the kind of military helicopters they've got in Ghost Recon is about $2 million. 
Yeah, so. and our guys are always slamming, <laughs> slamming Yeah, oh, we use the... It's so funny, but you can kind of use the helicopters to stop enemy vehicles. So you could kind of <laughs> like a crazy bird or something just go and try to like smash your helicopter into the enemy vehicle. Oh, and sometimes like when there's an enemy helicopter, I kind of, I like to try to land on their road <laughs> to break them with like our helicopter. And it's just like, it's funny and kind of cool to be like using a $2 million product in that way. But, oh, I, oh, just speaking to our moods, sorry, now I'm going back, but speaking to, like, our moods playing the game, this is one of the few games I feel like where failure is just really fun, or it's oh often yeah. the case that when you fail... It's often the case that when we die, we burst out laughing because we realize right, what right. we were doing and was so, like, beyond the fail Yeah, film. yeah, and just what was going on was so, like, stupid. Yeah. Where, like, you kind of drive a truck into, like, a camp of enemies and start trying to, like, have a firefight <laughs> with them, and there's, like, explosions and chaos, and there's rebels rushing in, and it's, it's and always just... In other games, in other games, when you die... You can be completing the same content and kind of make 17 different types of mistakes and die 17 different ways and get uh, more and more frustrated. Oh, we were talking about in Monster Hunter. Oh, right. How kind of punishing it was. I guess we were talking about how in Monster Hunter you had you had this like uh, concern of killing the monster and then you had a concern of making sure the monster didn't kill you. And then you had the higher order concern that you had to break that certain part of the monster because what you really wanted was like his horn or whatever. Right. And if you didn't accomplish all those pretty high level things, it was all a waste. It was all right. Down the like drain. the whole you work really hard for a long time or like, you know, 25 or 40 minutes in Monster Hunter and you work hard and then if you fail at the end it's like all ripped away from you and then you just have to kind of try again and like play at a high level again and oh but another thing we were talking about in monster hunter is how much it was a war of attrition and managing those items oh yeah and remember how <laughs> we were saying like so in monster hunter you can get poisoned and when you're poisoned in that game it it almost becomes like a quick time event thing where you have to scroll over to your poison antidote and kind of drink it and avoid the monster all at once. And so anytime a bad thing happens to you in Monster Hunter, you begin having to manage your items. Mm -hmm. And <coughs> so you manage those items and it's, you know, it asks a lot of you to do that. And so you kind of have to intelligently use the items, but also manage and conserve them. Yeah. And, and it, there's just a huge... All those like things really contribute to the stress in that game. Like the amount of right. stress I felt going after, what was that one with the horn beast, like Diablo or whatever oh, the yeah, heck Diablos, it was. yeah. Compared to seeing like just like 35 Unidad helicopters and vans drive driving at me is like just... Right, zero it's for it's Ghost Recon yeah, and like a yeah. hundred for Monster. Just Hunter. completely different, like it's or opposite, I yeah. guess. Yeah, but also I remember one of the things that would really get to me in Monster Hunter is we would start, like, start a fight with a monster, right? And then sometimes if I kind of took a bunch of heavy blows in the beginning and like used up all my potions, kind of, 
I would almost want to just like throw the controller down and be yeah, done and be with done. the round and say like, okay, let's just start over. We got off to a bad start and like screw this game. But I mean, contrast that to Ghost Recon where you could be kind of trying to sneak into an uh, enemy base or whatever and you get caught and you start to get into a firefight and like then there's all these crazy vans chasing you and stuff. And when you make a mistake like that, you kind of get this kind of cool, fun burst of play and, like, getting overwhelmed by the game and, like, trying to fight it or live through it or whatever. Becomes and your new challenge. Right, and it's often right. just as much fun or more fun than... As succeeding. Or just as fun oh to, yeah, like, yeah. fail in that way as it is to, like, you know, calmly complete the mission like a silent killer or whatever. Yeah, and then if you do complete it, you feel like a million bucks. Right, right. So, you know, it's like... The game, when you mess up, you're not just harshly punished and you're not then like working against this inventory management and like Mm -hmm. in Monster Hunter, (coughs) even there was like clock management where if you were doing a bad job tracking that monster or you kind of space out and take a wrong turn on the map. Or he just flies. (laughs) He just whips himself to the other side of the map. Yeah, you would sometimes spend five minutes tracking the monster. And then once you found him, he would just fly up in the air and go. And it's, it was so frustrating when stuff like that would happen. Yeah, yeah. And it's just, it's so rare to get frustrated by, like, annoying game stuff in Ghost Recon. So that's, like, really cool, too. Yeah, yeah. I uh, I think those are the main general overall things we were loving oh, about right. it. And uh, before I have another thing to okay, add. Okay, okay. Um... The way they planned the skill progression in Ghost Recon is just awesome. Your guy goes from being really small and pathetic. Just a gun guy, just a little gunner. To by kind of the midpoint of the game or as you're approaching the end, you're just this awesome like Rambo guy. And you can take a lot more bullets and you have all these really cool, amazing, awesome skills and you can kind of like blow up everything in a one mile radius with these really powerful explosions. And No, I mean, we need to clarify here. There's no skills in the game well other than sending your drone. You're using items, right? Well, yeah, but, but the then skill points go skill points. the grenade launcher, the C4, yes. more frag grenades. They're, uh, they're like items that you can use. And then uh, you also can put points in like your stamina. Oh, right, but there's stuff. all those rebel abilities, like the spotting. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then you can call a vehic- you can call a helicopter for yourself. Like in the beginning, you oh have yeah, to those rely are like on abilities. Right, right. But Wait, you so also let's get... Let's just outline it really fast <laughs> so people can understand what we're talking about here. There are, in the beginning of the game, you're just a little gun guy. You're a guy with a gun, essentially. Then you put skill points in, and some of the skill points are things like for your health or stamina, yada, yada. Others unlock items to use, such as frag grenades. And the drone, too. Like the drone drone. explosive. Oh, and you get better at marking enemies. Yeah. Oh, that's a big thing we didn't actually talk about, but the kind of, like, gameplay process of marking the enemies, like... You know, like marking the enemy with the drone and getting rid of the blobs on the map. Yep, that was another thing that really, like, bewildered me in Division 2. Like, remember we got that scanner and it said it was going to, like, mark the enemies. And I was like, this is a useless piece of crap. 
well, like, why would anyone want this? Oh, and there was also, like, a drone attachment that would, like, mark the an- enemies. And I thought, like, junk, like, the turret just marks the enemies by shooting them. Why would anyone right. use this? And then in Ghost Recon, spotting and marking the enemies is not only, like, completely crucial, but it's also just, like, a ton of fun to right. do with the it's drone Right, it's really fun stuff. to, like, use your drone and look over the To scout the out the territory. And figure out, like, where guys are sit- standing and... You even come across sleeping guys sometimes who you can truly, like, blow up. Yeah, yeah. Okay, wait, so back to what we're talking about. You get, you get, and then you get your your skill points, unlock items, as well as giving whatever minor buffs to your your character. Uh And then there's the uh, ability wheel, you could call it, of, um... Stuff involving the rebels and other things you could do. What's on there? Calling a vehicle okay, for yourself. Call, there's a call vehicle. There's guns for hire, which brings a little, a little army, army of, rebels of rebels to fight by your side. Then there's spotting, which spots the enemies. And diversion, which is another little army of rebels who kind of like make a they fuss rush to in. Yeah. Attract the enemies' attention. Right. And boy, I feel like there was one more, but we rarely use it. So I'm not. Yeah, so yeah. Vehicle spotting. Oh, uh, yeah. It's it's when you hold R1 and go down, it's that one, but I don't quite remember. Oh, it's mortar. It's r- that oh, one's really mortar. cool, too. So you can call for a m- rebel mortar strike. Yeah, we should use it more often, but right. it's hard well, to get I it right. I use it pretty Sometimes, often, actually. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And it calls down just like a hellish rain of... Like eight mortar strikes or something over a huge area. It's it's really cool. Anyway, then what I wanted to say is so cool about this game is the process of getting better is actually the process of becoming more adept at using all these different things you have at your disposal, whether it's like a flare gun or the little distraction or the army of rebels or the mortar. Yeah, like there's all these different kind of technological items or like pieces of stuff you can you use can use oh and then there's also like night vision heat oh yeah, night vision, vision and thermal, thermal vision. vision those are other things so and those are other like tools right and those skills make such a huge difference and i i was i guess i was just so impressed with it because your guy gets so much more powerful but it it comes about through just like using and familiarizing yourself with that technology and it's almost as much about you the player using those cool tools as it is about the game giving you like overpowered ability or more damage or anything yeah like yeah that. or like in another game you have a skill and there's like absolutely a best and most proper use case scenario for it right. that you should always like uh, use your aoe or whatever in like this situation here you did a bad one this is a good one it's like kind of straightforward and like cut and dry Uh but then in this game you have all these tools and like how you use them is kind of up to you and the more successful you are with accessing them and (laughs) using them successfully the easier the game kind of gets and the better you get at the game as you begin to in the game kind of figure out how to use those abilities in actual combat situations then you become far more powerful. And it's like just as much about you, the player, as as it is about your character in the game. Yeah, or like the ability itself. Right. I feel like those those were the main things we're really loving about this game. Did you have anything to add? I know I have a lot more. Um, 
Let's see. Looking at my notes. Uh, I mean, I feel like we kind of covered most of it. I mean, all we've been doing is kind of raving about how cool the game is. And oh, yeah. I do feel like just pretty much anybody should try it. Oh, one thing I think that's also really cool about the game, but we haven't talked about yet because it doesn't really apply to us, is that if you play Ghost Recon Solo, there's this whole other huge component of the game that includes controlling and giving orders to your NPC allies. Oh, yeah, that's probably So you get like a team of four, and you can do something called Sync Shot, which is where you... You target the enemies, hopefully before combat, but you can do it in combat too. And you can kind of mark them and you get, I think you get three sync shots because you have three NPC allies. Mm -hmm. So you can mark three guys and then you can give the order to your NPC teammates to take them all down at once. Yeah, yeah. And it's like they really thought about how they could make it be a really meaningful, kind of cool, fun solo experience. And, like, I even would try it solo. It looks really kind of cool and fun. And the AI teammates heal you, and you c- or they, you know, they Revise revive you. you. And you can buff them, you know. So, like, it would be cool for a solo player to be buffing those AI teammates. But anyway, it's, it's like... Oh, I was just going to say I would recommend it to anyone who, like, plays with their friends, too, just because there's so much, like, chaos and stuff going on. And I almost sometimes wish that we did have, like, some more guys who would play with us because I think for as cool as Ghost Recon is for the two of us, it could be even cooler for, like, a group of three or four people yeah, to play. Yeah, absolutely. Right. So, you know, I just give it, like, the highest recommendation almost no matter what. I saw one important thing that we wanted to talk about, a hilarious thing. So we, when we were driving <laughs> the cars in this game, oh god, <laughs> we, they sometimes you gotta like catch a guy and interrogate him or whatever. You're not trying to kill him, or sometimes you gotta follow a guy without being detected. So the the guy would get in a car or whatever, and then we would get in a car and we'd be like. Man, he's going so fast. Yeah, yeah, and he'd be going like 90 miles an hour. And in the car, we'd be going like 20, 30 miles all, an hour. We would like cap out about 30 miles an yeah, hour. And, and we would get in And like we gave up and we're like, <laughs> we got to chase him in the helicopter. Like, I don't know, something's wrong with the cars. Like, it's bugged. So anyway, then one night, why did we turn on Crew 2? Well, we were done playing Ghost Recon for, like, whatever reason. Okay, And yeah. then we just turned on Crew 2. And, like, the Don's same... co-worker recommended oh we yeah, try yeah. Crew 2. So anyway, we turn on <laughs> Crew 2. We're all ready to play or whatever. And, like, man, the car won't... <laughs> the car's only going, like, 30 miles an hour. Then we change the car to, to stick or whatever instead of automatic. We're trying to, like, shift it and, like, gear it up. We're like... Man, what is wrong? There's no <laughs> way to win a race and when you yeah, go this yeah. slow. And we were capping out. These are like real, like tough cars, like Chevys, <laughs> like freaking whatever. And they were, and I remember Genevieve got it up to like 70, and I was so impressed. And I was like, wow, like Genevieve got <laughs> to 70 miles an hour when, like, you know, the other cars are going about 140. 140 at least. <laughs> And I was still stuck doing So 20, we're just like know? crashing and burning, doing the same little first crew race over and over again. I typed in Google like, car in crew two won't go faster than 30 miles an hour. Right. And I found this whole thread of angry people and they're like, 
Ubisoft needed to fix this <laughs> it game. It literally doesn't. It does. It was, like, and not the a car, <laughs> I put it in stick. Like, it still doesn't go faster than 30. There's no way to win a race when you're <laughs> only going 30 yeah, miles an hour. There was even a guy so, who said, like, you know, you can, like, pass every mission in this game, but the NPC <laughs> drivers just leave you completely leave in, you the in the dust, dust. every time. And then somebody was like, not buying this till Ubisoft fixes the issue. <laughs> and we're like, man, I don't know. I guess... Some of the car driving is just broken <laughs> in some of these games. Anyway, then John figured out we had the trigger lock on. Right, we had the pro controllers, and they have the trigger lock, yeah. which is all. It sucks for Ghost Recon because when you fire semi-auto, you really want that trigger yeah, lock. Yeah, it's nice to use. But so, yeah, we had the trigger lock And on. so did all these other people <laughs> without realizing it, and they are playing these, like, racing games. Right, going 30 miles an it's hour. It's because, like, essentially they have their foot just lightly tapping, lightly the, gas tapping the gas And so we went back to Ghost Recon with the trigger lock off. And oh, oh, yeah. And we couldn't fly the plane. Oh, yeah, then uh, you have to fly, like, it's easy to fly the helicopter, that drive the car, whatever, but there are these little, like, biplanes that you have to fly for missions in Ghost Recon. They were, like, it was so hard for us to fly them. And, again, I, I remember right. John found some thread reference, like, this fire the plane mission is just impossible. Yeah, yeah. It's impossible. I'll never get it done. Right. Like I and can't get these comms to yeah, it. was so cool because the having the trigger lock on essentially turned the plane into a glider. Oh yeah. And that's what was so like confusing because there were many plane missions in Ghost Recon that you could actually complete by treating the plane like a glider. <laughs> and I even asked Genevieve, I was like so does this mean that they kind of fly this plane down because they can fly from a higher to a lower elevation? And there are planes like that. And I was right. like, yes, that's what a glider yeah, is. Yeah. You drive it up in your car and you push it off a cliff. Yes. Right, right. And so I thought those <laughs> like it was a glider in Ghost <laughs> Recon. And it, it worked pretty good as a glider if you like really pull the like pitch back and up. It, it'll kind of like glide through the air and you never gain elevation, but you don't lose too <laughs> much either. So we would be doing these long plane missions where like the goal was like 10 kilometers away and just trying to like glide there and crashing into the side of a mountain eventually. And we were like, there's just no <laughs> way to do this. But anyway, of solved. It's the yeah, trigger lock. Right. Of course, we took the trigger lock off and the plane Works operates great. like a real. Oh, like and now plane. all the driving and stuff in Ghost Recon is kind of a lot of fun. Before, we were like helicopter, nothing. Like right. Sucks. And we even tried. Yeah, we even stopped driving the cars, which sucked because yeah. it's actually incredibly fun to drive the cars even. And oh, it's I, I don't know for sure, but. The driving was kind of similar to Crew 2 where you could kind of do all the cool fishtailing with the handbrake and stuff. So it's like a really kind of cool, fun experience to drive in Ghost Recon. Just saying. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so uh, we're getting a review of ESO onto the website pretty yeah, soon. Elder Scrolls Online. Elder Scrolls Online. We haven't played it in a couple of years. Just kind of right. writing about the time we <laughs> did spend yeah, playing yeah. it. And I guess... It's funny because you can really see all these people on our friends list started playing it again pretty recently. Oh. And I think it, that's because a new DLC came oh, out. Oh, yeah, yeah. So I'm sure, like, if you really look into it, you can find all the new, like, heinous, hellish <laughs> stuff going on with that. And, like, the new broken stuff they introduced or the, like, four-page Maybe skills. it's great. Maybe it's yeah, great. It might be, be wonderful, but we don't know. I don't think I don't think we would play that again. Yeah, it's off your PlayStation now, I think, right? 
Oh yeah, and I, we, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it's it's literally more than a hundred gigabytes. Yeah. So yeah. taking a game like that off your PlayStation is kind of like a permanent thing. I wonder if half the people who still play it compulsively play it because they just can't fit anything else on their <laughs> PlayStation anymore. Right, right. And man, that's crazy. More than a hundred yeah, gigabytes. Yeah. Like nothing even looks good in that game. But uh, that's <laughs> that's like beside, beside the point. The point. So, did we have anything more to say? No. Just uh, to recap. Ch- like check that article out. Oh should yeah. It should pretty be pretty entertaining read at the very least. Right. And it should be posted today, I guess. But Yeah, we kind of decided we're going to play some more, play another uh, season of Path of Exile or something before. Right, before writing like writing a review it. or anything about it. Or yeah, and you know, sometimes I wish we could write about the division too or like write a review for it but man it's like getting hard to even remember yeah i i can't believe how crappy i thought division two was after playing ghost recon i just right right i don't feel like i could recommend it i mean it was fun oh we didn't exactly talk about it's so many things are kind of like the same in the game but the scale is so much smaller in division two and i think yeah, one of the things we were kind of talking about that is, it's almost like, I don't know if we're completely right about this, but just the worlds in Ghost Recon and Division 2 are modeled so differently. Oh. Where Ghost Recon is this really big, open, it seems like much of it is auto-generated, which I don't know that for sure, but it seems like it. Mm-hmm. And there, it's such like a rich, lush environment with just tons of stuff going on. And it was uh, it was closer to ESO. Remember how in ESO there yeah, were like yeah. all the bridge hopping and rock hopping. Yeah, and we and oh, remember I climbing the mountain? Yeah, I absolutely tried to climb up the crappy Ghost Recon mountain, right. awkwardly using like the climb command to see how far I could get on yeah, like yeah, the and sheer you can rock. Right, place. you can really like explore all this kind of terrible auto-generated computer world and like sometimes the enemies appear on it or you can exploit it just like an ESO how you could exploit the rocks against other players or even mobs Mm -hmm. but then so the division is a much it's like a much differently drawn game world and so what we were talking about specifically was how it seems like the elevation in Ghost Recon had so much more meaning and you know how you can like snipe the enemies from the hills and in division like two you'd often be looking for like your STD cache, I would always call them SHD cache. <laughs> and you'd be like, Oh, I can't find it. Oh, where is it? And then you'd kind of see one of those like yellow tarps and realize that there was ho- some hole you had to climb into to right, find the cache, whether it's through a window or like up right, onto and a piece like of a scaffolding or something. Little indicated part of the map where you had to climb. Yeah, up. yeah. And but we were talking about how in Division Two, like a designer put those little cl- climb right, interactions so in every yeah, one of those particular the, right. places. So in the map in Division Two, it's completely drawn by a man or men or people. Yeah, yeah. So there's necessarily just so much fewer, there's so much like a lesser quantity of stuff in that world. Like there's less areas for the enemies to pop out. There's less areas to be flanked from or to flank the enemies. When the enemies kind of like infest or occupy certain parts of the map in Division 2, 
they kind of have to stay there because there's nowhere else to go, really. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's like just comparing a man-made object to a natural object. Or, you know, or mathematically right, <laughs> mathematically <laughs> computer-generated, which is, like, much more, it's closer to how nature is. Yeah. And I think that's why everything in Ghost Recon feels so much, like, lusher and fuller and richer. Yeah. Just be And it's it's funny to think that because you would think, like, oh, well, wouldn't it be cool to have, like, a bespoke, hand-drawn, nice map? But for the actual experience of playing these video games, I think that kind of big, rich, computer-generated world is, is actually, actually better. Right. And exactly. uh, again, it's all about this idea that like you, the player, are in control of something or somehow using your creativity or somehow doing something yourself or somehow like making decisions for yourself. And right. It right. feels like a lot more like that. Just oh, overall. yeah, right. And so like just for example, if... Say in Ghost Recon, there was like a skill point or SHD cache thing up on like the side of a hill or in a building, like up on the side of a mountain or something. In the world of Ghost Recon, there really are probably like six or eight paths you could take to get there. Like you could climb up there, you could go around the back way, you could way more than that because you could also just slam the helicopter down on it right, and drive exactly, a tractor up there. Exactly. But in Division Two Oh, you were saying you wanted to parachute out of the plane. Oh yeah, we haven't done that yet, but I wanted to have us do missions by just kind of parachuting off a plane and like landing on the hill above like a base or encampment. But anyway, so in Division Two by contrast, to get to an item on the map, there's often only one way. And so it's much more like kind of being a rat in a maze. Whereas in Ghost Recon... It's the true nature of our city streets. Can't <laughs> help it. Right, That's right. the reality. Yeah, they like modeled <laughs> the city streets. But it's just such a different feeling where the world is more open and there's many ways to approach or achieve yeah. things. As opposed to this kind of like man-made experience that, you know, they designed a nice experience, but that's like all it is. And you don't really get to like think or make decisions or, you know, just like play the game in like, in a kind of like natural or like free-flowing or open-ended way. Yeah, so I guess we're wrapping up here. I uh, I know this. How old is Ghost Recon Wildlands? Um... I believe it came out in 2017. Oh, okay. So yeah. it's so we're new. late. Yeah, we're definitely we're late, late to the game here, but, oh, but definitely we love it. Yeah. Recommending we're it if you also didn't play it. To uh, the new Ghost Recon too. I we're think definitely going to play Breakpoint. that. Yeah, and like we saw some of like the new features, or I looked at them and I was just like immediately like, oh yeah, I like gotta try this. Game. <laughs> oh, but we also didn't even mention or scratch the surface, but. We haven't stepped foot in the DLC yet. Oh, yeah. We haven't played the PvP. There's many game modes. Oh, and there's a Endless Wave Horde mode, which oh, yeah. I thought would be really that. fun. And we haven't tried any of those things yet. And so, you know, looking forward oh, to I that. Oh, I will say how far we are in the game. I think John's at, like, World Tier 2 or whatever it's called. Or, well, it, I guess they call it, like, World Tier 1. I mean, Ubisoft games always have such, like, freaky stuff in the end game. Yeah, but yeah, so we only just now made it to kind of the right, To max level, and then there's always 50 tiers. a little bit. Right, so, <laughs> uh, well, technically they start you at 
tier 50 I see. and it starts counting down so i'm like 43 oh now you're 43. and you're 49 i see so i'm a little bit ahead but because i'm a sluggard <laughs> yeah oh and another cool thing about ghost recon that i just like to say is it's this game where i'm not always playing better than genevieve and that's like kind of really cool oh yeah i think it's because and again, like, not all women are the same, but I'm just definitely not as good at those, like, those combo sequences that you could do. Right, and, or just, like, thinking back to Naruto, there's, like, the, like, positioning yeah, yeah. is really important. Oh, but also, I'm, I'm just a schlob who didn't play games as a kid. Right, so. right. So, so I guess that's one of the things I'm worst at, and <laughs> there's just not that right, much of right. that in this game. And you know, in most games, I tend to, like, outperform Genevieve. But if you watch us play, you wouldn't necessarily know that I'm, like, this better player or whatever. And it's often but the case. But in other games, you'd instantly Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, in other games, it's like, it's like, oh, well, there's this, like, guy who seems to know what he's doing. And there's uh, this yeah. other guy or a, a girl who's, like, <laughs> clearly a girl. But yeah, but not yeah. in this game. So right. if you're looking for something to play with somebody who isn't awesome at video games, this is probably right, again right. a great pick for that. Yeah, yeah, and it, it's it's like fun, and I really like to be saved by Genevieve sometimes <laughs> instead of like. Oh yeah, I had to do that mission for us. John I kept there's one. Uh, <laughs> you gotta capture the Sicaro. And John just will drive the helicopter into the Sakara, <laughs> just like throw fourteen grenades right, at the Sakara. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and like it was funny because I just like came up to them and immediately got surrounded and shot. <laughs> and I just killed John. Right, and then like Genevieve was kind of playing a little more conservatively <laughs> and slowly shot them all. And you know she, I managed to right, get the Sakara yeah. so that we didn't have to keep attempting <laughs> that same right, right annoying but mission yeah, over yeah. and over it's again. It's it's so, but it's really cool because it's like a really like almost skill intensive like high fidelity game and like you're just as good at, at it as me so like i think that's kind of cool and they yeah, must have done something right yeah another reason that we're highly recommending it so uh we right. tried to wrap up for the past <laughs> 20 minutes now or something yeah, but yeah. now apparently <laughs> we're actually done okay yep so we're done and goodbye thanks for listening if you did yeah and visit <laughs> our website coopgaming.info right, we're still we're Making still content yeah, for it, I we're guess. We're still alive. <laughs> so it would seem. Okay, bye. <laughs>